Barbecue. Barbecue. Three, two, one. Barbecue. Three, two, one. Welcome to Barbecue 321, Episode 5. We're talking with Matt Barber, pitmaster of the renowned barbecue competition team Hot Wok Chulas. We'll be diving into Matt's experience at the Jimmy Jam Barbecue Slam on an episode of Barbecue USA. We'll discuss the evolution of competitive barbecue, and Matt will share some of his tips for beginners. We also touch on the financial aspects of competing and hear about Matt's personal journey in the barbecue industry, including his struggles and success with his sauces and rubs. So whether you're a seasoned pitmaster or a barbecue enthusiast, this episode is packed with insights you won't want to miss. Let's get this show on the road. Episode 5. Barbecue. 3, 2, 1. Barbecue. 3, 2, 1. We're here with Hot Wachulas, pitmaster extraordinaire, Matthew Barber. Great to see you. Nice to see you again. The new season of Barbecue USA is coming out, and you are in the Jimmy Jam Barbecue Slam episode, which will be the second to air on July 17th. Tell us a little bit about your experience being on Barbecue USA. Have you had other <laughs> TV experience? I have. I've been on a few other little shows, but for me, I always like it. I mean, I like I like the excitement. I like the distractions. I like the energy from being involved with it. I, I like people asking questions. I like explaining kind of what I do and why I do it. It's always a great experience for me. I had a great time. And tell us, uh, I mean, the Jimmy Jam Barbecue Slam. Um, that, that was actually my first time competing at the Jimmy Jam. Last year, it was, uh, I think it was a, a backyard only contest. And I think this was the first year, or maybe this was the first year it was sanctioned. That might've been it. So, so I definitely had to go because I'm always trying to be competitive with the points race and stay, stay in the hunt. Down here, you can't really miss a contest in the Florida Barbecue Association. So uh, what, 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 was your, what was your impressions about Jimmy Jam? I liked it. I thought it was a great contest. It was the steak contest part was, uh, was I was a little new to that. So that's a little, there's a serious learning curve with that as far as, as far as how my performance went goes. Uh, but no, I had a blast. The weather was great. You know, I was around, around some teams that I'm good friends with. So, uh, I mean, I had a blast. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And so, you know, so this was your first time there. Uh, you said you've seen, you know, a lot of the same teams. Uh, that you see normally some of your friends were there what yeah. what was the yeah well tell me a little bit more about the competition itself like how do you think you stacked up florida has some of the best barbecue cooks around we kind of get forgotten about a lot as far as the midwest or or even georgia south carolina you know north carolina texas and then missouri you know kansas city and memphis florida gets left out a lot but uh we've got some really good teams down here it's always a struggle to, to win one because the hardest part is all the good teams are going to be there every week. You know, it's not like there's 30 contests within 200 miles. There's one within 400 miles and all the teams are going to be there. You know, you don't have an opportunity to cherry pick anything. It makes it a lot more difficult, I think, when you're competing against the same top 10 teams in the state every single week. It gets tough, but it also it makes you a better cook, I think, too. So. This season ended up going to two different Florida competitions. Yeah. Uh, and Jimmy Jam was one of them. And... It was great because you do see a group of teams that you don't typically see in other parts of the country. Tell me a little bit about your background. How'd you get started in competitive barbecue? My background, originally, I was an art director, graphic designer for a supermarket chain. And that kind of led into me developing my own sauces and because I could do my own packaging. I'm like, hey, this is kind of be a neat little hobby. And then it kind of turned into a real business. And I kind of got into barbecue the competition side on the back end because I already had salsas and hot sauces and barbecue sauces made. I just never competed. So 
I started sponsoring some teams and then they started using what all the guys out, out in the Midwest were using because they're like, your stuff's not going to win. And uh, so, so that's when I started cooking. I started cooking to uh, just to prove that my sauces were competition worthy. And that's kind of how I got the bug. I think I probably started cooking around 2009, 2008. I think 2011, 2012 is when I started getting serious about it because it's one thing I did learn pretty quick is like, unless you're cooking 15 contests a year, you're not going to get any better. You just don't have the repetition. You you won't get the muscle memory. You won't get the feel for anything. You you won't be able to follow flavor profile changes or tenderness changes. And you're always going to tweak the wrong thing. You're not going to, you're always going to change the flavor of something instead of learning how to cook it better. That's one thing that cooking 15 contests a year makes you a better cook. How many contests are you cooking now? This year, it's going to be between 15 and 20. I think the heat index today is 107. <laughs> so there's not a lot of contests going on down here, especially in the summer months. So so come September, I think between September and December, I think there's eight to 10 contests down here. Um, so it, it picks up down, down here once it starts to cool off a little bit, but the, but the summer months are really slow. And I think, I think cookers work better when it's cold. Hmm. You know, I think the airflow, the dynamics of that just work better when it's colder outside. So you don't uh, venture, how far north do you venture or west? I mean, do you, do you hit other contests out of state? It's been a while. I've cooked up in New York, cooked in Albany. I do the Royal. I'll be doing the Royal again this year. I go up to North Carolina, Virginia, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, and I do do a couple over in Europe. Those are, those are really fun to do. I mean, it's, uh, You'd be amazed how how popular American style barbecue is in Europe. It's uh, it's crazy. It's like a it's like a I, whole rockabilly barbecue movement over there. It's pretty cool. Is that uh, all KCBS stuff, or is it different? Yeah, the, the, yeah, those are all KCBS. And and what countries over there have you gone to? I go to Italy every year. There's one in the Alps. I guess it used to be Austria. So they all speak German up there. I've been to Romania. Slovenia was really nice. Uh, they have a great contest. I need to go back. I want to do one in Amsterdam and some others up in the Netherlands, but mainly Italy, right around Italy has been my focus so far, but I, I do want to branch out and hit, hit a few more up. It's a, a great wow. way to uh, to see the country and have a little mini vacation worked in there at the same time. So you've been cooking for a while. From your perspective, competitive world of barbecue, how have you seen it change? The contests were a lot more laid back. I mean, it was more of a a friendly family <laughs> type of environment. But, you know, as the years kind of progress, it, it's gotten a, a lot more competitive. Usually you could go to contests, people be like, hey, come here, I'll tell you everything. And still, there's a lot of people that do that. But it's, uh, there's always something that they're going to be leaving out. But I think when I first started, I was told you had to buy ribs that were left side pork ribs because when the pig lays down, he lays down on one side and he uses the other muscle to lift himself up. So the other side's tougher. And and I'm believing all this crap. I mean, I, I'm just like, I'm sewed it in, I'm writing it down. And they're all just throwing me a bunch of malarkey, you know, but, uh, but, but it was fun. But, you know, it took me a while to figure out they were all full of it. But we I actually heard, you know, we, were, we did an interview with another pit master, Phil the Grill, and he was saying, pick the left side. Yeah, there would be people that would throw certain stuff and like the fire and the fire pan to get a different, you know, like throw an orange in there or an apple or an onion or and it would, you know, there'd be people that would swear by it. I'm like, man, I don't know. And then, but that, but that was kind of pre, you know, social media. And after that, it was like, it, it made it a lot easier. There were, you know, there were some helpful, you know, like chicken trimming stuff. And like when, when I first started competing, you didn't trim the chicken. You just, you just took it out of pack, 
tried to make a decent shape out of it. You weren't cutting anything off of it, scraping anything, you know, and the judges weren't tasting the skin anyways. They were ripping it off because they're like, we're not eating this. So, you know, you never really got judged on any type of bite through chick, you know, chicken skin. But the, the one thing I've noticed that changes probably every year and a half or two years is, is tenderness. You know, I don't think my, I haven't changed my flavor profile in probably six, seven years, but I do tweak the tenderness or the amount of sauce. I mean, I'll still use the same sauce, but it might be the amount of it. When you say the tenderness, is it getting like they want it more tender or less tender or does it go up and down? Lately, they've been wanting like, especially with like ribs, it's been more tender. When I first started doing comps, they wanted the rib to have a tug to it. Not necessarily a clean bone, but if, if you could see the bone after you pulled it back, it was it was a good rib. If it if you just bit it clean and it melted in your mouth like butter, you're gonna get dinged for it being overcooked. But now that's that's how I kind of see the ribs now, I think, are are overcooked, but we're we're tweaking our process to kind of get them to stick on the bone a little bit better. But the mouthfeel to me is is an overdone rib. But but that's this year. It might change, <laughs> it might change by September. Yeah. want a little bit of tug but that that's what i've noticed the most and even chicken too i used to win a lot cooking my chicken to 160 degrees you know just barely getting it done and now it's you got to cook it over 200 to get a walk and that's one of the things if you're just cooking a few times of the, of the year you're never gonna figure that out what are your top tips for meat like starting with chicken what's your top tip right now for chicken i mean i still scrape my skins i know there's a, a lot of people that don't they jacquard them and I just feel safer scraping them and I inject. I think the biggest problem that people get into with brines, I mean, they work great, but it's such a scientific process. And it, unless you're like a, a food geek or food nerd, you're not going to pay attention to it and you're going to wonder why stuff messes up. But the biggest thing is, is just the feel of it. Because when I first started, I had a, one little cooker and I had thermometers and temperature gauges and wires coming out of it. And, and an old timer told me this. He's like, you know, I'll tell you something. When you get rid of all that crap on the front of your cooker, you might know what you're doing. And I'm like, man, you need all this. And he's like, nah. And he was right. You know, once you learn to feel it, picking up a chicken thigh, you know, you can squeeze on either side of the bone. And you're like, okay, that one's going in the box. And you can set, you know, you sauce it, you set it aside. doesn't matter what temperature it is. Uh, ribs and brisket is a toothpick for me. It's, it's the most important tool because, you know, once that toothpick slides in easy, it's done. Yeah. What is another rib top tip? Well, you've got to wrap it. I mean, everybody's wrapping them and I do a hot and fast. So I do 325. My ribs are done in like three and a half hours. I unwrap for one and then I wrap them. They're usually done in about an hour and a half to two hours. Then I cool down a little bit and put them in the cambro to stay warm. And that helped the overcooked rib kind of latch back onto the bone a little bit. So it doesn't totally peel off when, when the judge takes a bite. I will say I do put a little bit of my pork injection into my wrap. I've noticed a big difference with that. I mean, it helps the ribs stay uh, stay juicy and more tender. Nice tip. We're getting we're getting the good stuff here. What's a uh, pork butt top tip? One one thing that you want to make sure you do is the pork butt has two bone cut sides. It's actually part of the shoulder blade. So on the non-bone side, there's a gland in there that's probably about an inch back in the middle. Sometimes it's bigger. Sometimes it's not even there. If it's there and you don't take it out, you'll have a weird kind of gamey tasting pork. Cause that's one thing that could really paint meat that's close to it. Cause you know, cause if you get a bad score on pork, you're like, well, I only cooked one butt and the score of the other part's great. Well, that piece could have been close to that gland and had a, an off taste to it. Pork is still sweet. It's been sweet for a long, long time. If anything, it's getting sweeter, but I think the sauce is getting thinner. 
so it's it's one of those things you gotta you gotta have the right balance of a sheen to it you want it to be sweet have a sweet flavor but if, if it's gloopy or if it's the mouthfeel is saucy you'll get kind of dinged on it so two years ago when we started following some of the circuit we noticed that i think it was the blues hog raspberry chipotle yeah that everyone was putting on pork it was yeah. it was like everywhere and it seemed like every contest we went to we ran yeah. into people using that same place. And I guess it, it's what you're saying. Like it just got really sweet. As yeah. Well, sweet. and too, a, a lot, a lot of that spreads from classes, you know, so if you've got 20 people taking your class, you've got, now you got 20 people using what you use. So it's yeah. kind of one of those things that kind of spreads out. I mean, I've, I've done classes too, but I use my own stuff. So if, if somebody comes after it was like, Hey man, I took your class, but my pork's not. I'm like, well, you haven't placed an order with me yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I know <laughs> yeah. you're not using my sauce. So if you're using peach sauce instead of this, you know, maybe you'd be doing better. Let's finish the top tips. Brisket top tip. You have to cook a Wagyu brisket. It's one of those things where, <laughs> you know, I cook an Australian A9 and they're great. I mean, the marbling is crazy and they're worth every penny, but you have to cook uh, a Wagyu brisket to, to win money on, on, a, on a regular basis. I mean, there's a chance you could cook a prime and and do well but an average cooked wagyu will be a perfectly cooked prime any day just because of the flavor and and the, and the, the tenderness the mouthfeel of it is that one of those things like just the judges are gravitating toward it's been like that probably the last five years i think maybe a little bit more but but yeah the mouthfeel of a, of a wagyu brisket is definitely different and it i think it stays juicier longer so i think the whole time between turning and when the judge tastes it it's juicier um, it doesn't dry out and it gives you a little bit more of a window. Um, you can kind of overdo it a little bit or uh, Darren Worth told me at, at one contest, he's like, cook, <laughs> cook your brisket till you think it's done and then cook another 15 minutes. And uh, and I won brisket that year at the Royal. <laughs> so I'm like, I did exactly what you said. He's like, dang it. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's brisket's one of the few that you can, that you do savory. Maybe my brisket's not sweet. It's more of a, a steaky type taste. So I think the hot and fast brisket works really well because it does have that kind of steak filet type of feel to it and, and taste and smell. So definitely brisket hot and fast. And, and, and I use the toothpick too for tenderness. You put a toothpick in straight down and then you tap it with your finger. And if you can push it down easy, yeah. it's done. The toothpick was the biggest key. And that, that I actually learned from an old timer. I guess he was cooking down here like in the early 2000s and uh, so he He's told like, you put a tooth me. put a toothpick in and tap it and tap it down if you can push and it doesn't hurt your fingertip that's good and i swear i did it it was a top two brisket call and i'm like wow i can't believe it was that simple but he did say if i told anybody he'd kill me but you know, <laughs> we won't tell it's anybody one of, it's one of those things yeah, i like that old timer tips what gear are you running right now like what's your what's your go-to uh right now i'm cooking on all rec tech uh, pellet smokers. I mean, they're small. I think they're the Stampede. I think they're called the 590, but I cook on two of those. So I've got um, pork and ribs for one and chicken and brisket for the other. And then I have a, a Rectech bullseye. It's kind of like a, a Weber-shaped kettle cooker. Just as an overflow or something, I need to ramp something up or hold something. Or Is there any special woods you're putting in that or is it just standard I go anything. I go anywhere from a competition blend to a pecan. I tend to, to lean more for the pecan pellet, and I still add some more pieces. You know, the ni neat thing about the pellet cooker is it's got that like a little burn shield over the fire pot underneath, 
and you could throw some chips and chunks of, of actual hardwood on top of that and it'll get hot enough to create a little bit more smoke but for me i think the pellet cookers you get more more flavor when you're cooking hot so anything over 300 i think some of that the grease and the, and the fat drippings hit that pan and kind of smoke and burn a little bit get you a little bit more flavor than you would had you done a, a low and slow version on a pellet but uh, that's what mm -hmm. i've been doing and i like because it's easy I mean, they're light and Rectex, I mean, they're great to work with. And it's one of those things you don't want to change up too much because, <laughs> uh, you know, it, once you have everything hidden, it's like, well, I don't want to change anything now. So I'll be sticking, sticking with that same same method for a little bit. So. What would your advice be to someone who's just getting into the barbecue world? Like what's an essential piece of equipment? For me, the one that made life a lot easier was a Cambro. I mean, it's basically an upright cooler that has little racks you can put hotel, you know, tinfoil pans in. Because I was using coolers for a long time, just straight up old, you know, Coleman coolers. And, and on that point, you're just setting stuff on top of setting stuff. And you're like, okay, I got one big cooler and there's might be a brisket on one end and three pork butts on another. And you might have two ribs. And so it's all super hot. Everything's getting overcooked. Nothing's, you know, nothing's cooling down and everything's smashing everything. So for me, I... I felt like I was a pit master once I got me a, 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 a double tall camera. I'm like, all right, I, I got my crap together now. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that, that makes it a lot easier. And, and you know, it just saves a lot of hassle of digging through stuff and spilling greasy food everywhere. And, and I would suggest just going to a contest and just walking around and, and seeing what people in your area are cooking with. That kind of helps you with the, with the flavor profile. Like if it's Texas, there's a lot more stick burners. Um, and it's a heavier smoke, it's spicier. And when you take, a, if you ever take a class, you know, take a class from somebody that's using the same type of cooker that you want to get. Um, if, you, if you want to, to take a class and they're cooking on a jambo or, or like, you know, an offset stick burner, but you have an upright cabinet type smoker, you might get some flavor profile help. You're not going to get, you know, yeah. you're not going to learn how, how, to, how to work your cooker, you know, the way a pro does. Yeah, on a similar, similar thing, but if, if there was one thing that someone could have told you before you started out in the barbecue competitions, what, what would have been that piece of advice you wish you had had? You rich, <laughs> <laughs> you got money. You got money. <laughs> yeah. Like, you better. Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those things. I don't know if anybody could have said anything any different to me to, to get me to stop or start or losing expensive. I'll say, you know, Competing's not, but losing is. So, and it can add up quick. I mean, if you're on a, a little bad mojo ride, it, it can be a little, some of those trips out of state can be a little painful coming back. But the one thing I can say that I wasn't prepared for is how competitive it makes you, how superstitious it makes you, how frustrating it can be for something that you like to do so much. What, what's, what's coming up for Hot Wachula? Well, so I've got two of my barbecue sauces are available in Publix. Here in the in Florida, so they have a Florida local section. Uh, so I have two of my sauces that are in now. They're they're picking up two of my barbecue rubs, and we just picked up I think forty Save a Lot stores around Orlando, Gainesville area, and they're picking up barbecue sauces, rubs, salsa, uh, like eight products of mine. So, uh, and we're available through through my website hawachulas.com. Uh, we're that's one thing that I'm trying to work on more is, is the social media presence and, and the online website stuff and, you know, pushing it through all the videos and Amazon. And, and it's kind of a kind of a over brain overload for my uh, for my simple designer mind. But I know how to make it look pretty, but I don't know how to 
<laughs> do all that other mess. But um, but that's that that's been my goal. That's kind of you know why I started doing the competitions was you know I wanted to to show that my sauces and and my products were worthy of you know that they were good. You know, usually like oh this is the best sauce I've ever had. It's like really, you know, have you won anything? So it's it's a uh, it was kind of a, a reassuring thing for me. I mean, and actually, I mean, it's, it's been a tough road. So the competition stuff has given me the, uh, the confidence to keep going. Cause I mean, there was a point where I was in a lot of stores and I had a, a sales, a brokerage firm, drop the ball, not go to a meeting. And, and I got bumped out mm. and I lost, I lost my house, my car, I was like 300,000 in debt. I had $200,000 worth of product and not a store to sell it in. And then I got, I had to buy what was in the store back for like $50,000. And uh, it was a mess. And, uh, and that was really when I started doing the competition. So, um, and everybody said, well, just change your company name and just start all over. If it's a clean slate, nobody will know. And I'm like, and for some reason, I just stuck with it. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start cooking competition stuff, and, and just, you know, I know it's good, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna show that it's good, and, uh, and it took from 2004 to 2000 or 2020, right when COVID hit, is when I got back into the grocery stores again. So, uh, wow. People ask me, how'd you do it? I'm like, well, it took. 18 years. <laughs> so other than that, I don't know what I could tell you, you know, but it's, uh, but that was the one thing that I have to be thankful to competition barbecue for. It's just, you know, giving me the confidence to stick with it, you know, even though, it, you know, 18 years is a long ass time to, you know, to struggle. But, uh, you know, the last couple of years have been incredible. And, you know, I've been extremely blessed the last few years. I didn't realize that. Um, I mean, you did, you know, obviously no spoiler alerts, but you did very well at the Jimmy Jam. It sounds like everything's starting to uh, hit on all cylinders for you. So that's great. You got to love it. How can you not love barbecue? There you go. There you go. Uh, thank you so much, Matt, for talking to us. Uh, Hotwachulas.com. Yep. All yep. of your products and everything else. Uh, you, uh, good luck to you and everything you're doing. And, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, people will tune in and see you at the Jimmy Jam Barbecue Slam on July 17th. Awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Barbecue. Three, two, one. Barbecue. Three, two, one.